Okay, so in this episode, I want to talk about how gamification is changing and manipulating you. And this is happening at work, it's happening uh, in apps, it's happening online, in big tech, and Twitter, uh, social media, it's happening everywhere. Stay tuned, I'll explain how it's being done. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so uh, I was thinking about this because in class we were just talking about manipulation. So I, I teach a servant leadership class. Um, and so uh, Robert Greenleaf, the author or the founder of the Servant Leadership School, talks about how manipulation and management are actually from the same root word, which is kind of interesting. It's from the root word, uh, the Latin base manus, which means hand. And, and the word picture there is as leading someone, um, uh, leading a horse by the hand. And that that's, it's, but again, it's the same root as manipulation. And, and we manipulate people at work all the time. I mean, that's, that's the way that managers do this. Now there's good manipulation and there's potentially bad manipulation. Um, good manipulation as a uh, Jocko uh, Will, Will, Will Link, Willnick. I can't, I can never pronounce his name. It's, it's bizarre that I always screw that up, but um, he uh, he wrote a book, Leadership Strategy and Tactics, where he talks about, well, you know, we're manipulating all the time. When is it good? When is it bad? Well, it's good when you're doing that in order to help your people grow. And it's bad when it's self-serving. Now, with that as a backdrop, I want to talk about an article I found um, just came out last week about how gamification of everything is manipulating you and how to recognize it. Okay, this is an article by I think Stephen Johnson uh, in Life Hacker, and, and you know I was so we were just talking about this in class on Thursday night, and then um, now I'm thinking about this article, and I'm going, you know, there's there's something here that I want to talk about. So uh, the article started talking about how gamification is the practice of adding game-like elements to non-game contexts. Okay, so there's there's nothing wrong with gamification in the sense of, of turning things into a game. Uh, my daughter was just telling me about how, uh, so I was babysitting for a friend yesterday. Uh, they had a, a crisis come up. Sure, I'll sit on the kids while you go, go do what you need to do. And okay, so I all I did was sit there and, and watch Spider-Man with the kid. So, I mean, it was pretty easy. So she told me that, and she babysits a lot. She's 16. She told me that, well, I turn it into a game. And I said, well, tell me about it. And she said, well, uh, to get them to clean up, I pretend like it's uh, night at the museum and I'm the security guard trying to catch bad guys and they're trying to clean up before I can catch them. And I thought, wow, that's freaking brilliant, right? So she walks into the room and they freeze I don't see any anybody in here. And well, maybe I'll go. <laughs> this best part. Maybe I'll go and eat my lunch now. Hmm. And then she goes in the kitchen and she just eats her lunch and she talks about it. Well, maybe I'll, is there bread here? Let me, and they're scurrying to clean up really quickly. And, you know, it's getting done, right? Because she's turned something that's drudgery, which is cleaning up into a game. And the kids, the little, little kids that she's babysitting loves it. Okay. So gamification is not a bad thing. 
But if it's used in a bad way, like where you're not even seeing it or against your will, uh, it's it can be kind of a problem. And that's what the author of the article says. But when it's aimed at consumers and employees more and more frequently, it's to keep you addicted, whether it's to an app or to something at work or whatever. And so they go on and uh, talk about how you want to recognize when you're being played by gamification. Okay, so the question that the author poses is, when does gamification become manipulation? And again, manipulation can be good or bad. And the definition, I think Jocko was right. The definition is, is it used to grow others or help them be better? Or is it used to manipulate them for self-serving purposes? Okay, so when does gamification become manipulation? So again, if we, and he talks about, he gives the example of when we promise ourselves a reward, like if, if I get this done, this paper, this, um, you know, cleaning this room in the house or that bit at work, then I'm going to buy myself a latte or something, whatever it is, that's fine. No, no problem. Now there's more insidious kind of gamification where you'd have like a leaderboard at work about who's got the most leads or who's got the most sales or whatever. And now you're competing against each other and it can get kind of, you know, rough and tumble with that competition at work. It's nothing necessarily bad, but it's using gamification to manipulate you to compete to okay so just you just got to be a little careful with that and but you got to know what the rules of the game are and that that's actually happening now much of what the author draws on are from uh, a book called hooked how to build a habit forming products by near uh, near eel e-y-a-l uh, and, and so he's talking about the process of gamification and, and uh, how companies use it. And again, they're using it to get you hooked, to get you addicted, to get you to spend more time doing their stuff. Now, that doesn't sound like it's helping you grow. It sounds like the latter definition from Jocko of uh, for your, their own self-serving purposes. And you'll start to see it if you know to look for it. So they want to get you hooked. And it's, it's very intentional manipulation um, because they want to give you the endorphin and rush. Uh, so when you're playing Candy Crush and you get that little ding that comes up, the little ding sound because you've eliminated a row or completed a board or whatever. Yeah, that's that's to keep you in it. But it's more than Candy Crush. As I was thinking about this, I had just like highlighted those bits of the article that I wanted to talk about. A Facebook message popped up and said, so-and-so commented on your post. Why, why do I want to know that? I mean, what, why does it matter what so-and-so commented on my post? Well, they're trying to draw me back into Facebook so that I'm spending more time there because I'm, well, I'm hold this until the last quotation for contemplation and you'll understand why. But it, it's, they're trying to draw me back in because more eyeballs on their site means more revenue for them, which means it's not about helping me grow. It's about helping their bottom line. Okay, so um, again, the author says there's not nothing necessarily wrong with making consuming a product or doing a job fun, but they're hacking our pleasure centers. They're they're designing things intended to give us this endorphin rush so that we will keep doing it. Put you know, and they give the example of um, variable rewards with a slot machine. I show a, a clip in class of B.F. Skinner talking about how variable rate. Um, 
reinforcement is one of the more addictive and it's like the slot machines um, that people go to in Atlantic City and and that is there to play on them so the variable rate you don't know if it's coming uh, or the intermediate uh, reinforcement because the rewards are unpredictable we don't know if we're going to win or lose and this kind of it gives us a little anticipation and excitement now that anticipation is actually built into some apps. You wouldn't think it is, but Twitter's load time actually is intentionally slowed, according to the article, intentionally slowed in order to give us that little burst of anticipation because they're trying to neurohack us into staying on longer and doing this. Twitter, Instagram, other social media, uh, according to some reports, artificially lengthen the time between the click and when it shows the content to increase that anticipation, which is amazingly bizarre. And that reminds me of like, um, we could fix like make cars really quiet and motorcycles really quiet. But they realized that when they made it real like too quiet, people were like, oh, well, this just isn't powerful enough. So they went the other direction and made it extra loud. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is a really powerful car. It's, it's the same kind of manipulation. Uh, so just being aware of it, um, that, that they're trying to affect those places in your brain that make you want to go to it more and more so that they can manipulate you so that you use their apps or whatever more often. Just recognizing that will help you be able to fight it. Um, and it's not just apps. This happens at work. It happens like even with consumer um uh, reward programs. They give this example of, you know, buy 12 drinks and we'll get your next coffee for free or something along those lines. Uh, yeah, that's manipulating you. It's a little weaker than the apps, which are, you know, constantly pinging on your phone. Um, Chick-fil-A, my daughter works at Chick-fil-A now and has a Chick-fil-A rewards app. And she was just telling me about, well, you know, the more you buy, the more you can get. Well, yeah, but that's to make you buy more stuff. And you get a little reward at the end of it. And so, so she, but it wasn't like even like connecting that. Yeah. You have to keep spending more. And we, we, we ultimately understood that. And she got the idea after I explained, um, but yeah, that's also doing the same kind of thing. And that's, that's a, a lesser form than some of the apps and the way that they manipulate you. Um, employers do this and they try to, um, you know, have a, uh, employee engagement days or where, where, you know, you have to do mandatory fun kind of assignments. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how, man, how fun mandatory fun is. Um, but if you're doing that, you know, recognize that that's what's going on. Um, so if you're doing that, if you you have, well, let me back up before I talk about the mandatory fund uh, in, in the article, they were talking about like, if you're, if you want to play the game of getting your 12th coffee free or whatever it is for loyalty rewards, just make sure it's worth it. Just instead of being suckered in by that, just like, oh, okay, this is fun. I get another stamp. Yay. Um, but just recognize that you're actually paying for that 12th free one in in the other things that you're you're buying, it's there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, now there are some things like streaks, and I see this because I'm on my Kindle very often. I read voraciously, and Kindle will tell me this is your 98th day in a row. Continue the streak. 
why does Kindle want you to do that? Because they want you to keep buying more Kindle books. And so the, the article was just saying, look, just recognize that, you know, there's nothing wrong with a streak, but is this a streak that you want to keep up with? Uh, and so the longer the streak goes, the more that you feel like compelled to do it. And they gave the example of Snapchat. Now I'm, I'm not on Snapchat. I have no need for Snapchat. Uh, but they said this quote, Snapchat is notorious for this. If you ex exchange snaps with someone continuously, a number appears next to their name on the app. Each day you communicate adds a point, encouraging both parties to engage with their app until the magical day when a 100 emoji appears. Now, <laughs> they're doing that to keep you involved and keep you, your eyeballs there because it's that's how they're playing or, or generating their engine uh, you know to make money now if you um value other things in life like actually being productive and getting other things done then maybe this streak shouldn't be that important in the grand scheme of things so don't worry about keeping the streak alive unless it's something like a fitbit Right. And they even gave the example of an Apple Watch or some kind of exercise device. And if that's what you're, I mean, I think that there's a place for streaks to be useful. Just recognize that you can manipulate yourself. You can do it positively by, you know, hey, I've exercised so many days in a row. I'm going to keep up the streak. Great. That's fine. Not so much on Snapchat, but on exercising or eating right. Or so, like I track my calories every day. Um, I dropped, um, uh, about 40 pounds, maybe give or take a little bit, 40 pounds, um, uh, what was it, a year and a half ago, two years ago, and I've been counting calories every day, like just like logging my food just because, and I've stayed down uh, over that almost two years now because I have continued to gamify this by making sure I'm staying within my parameters. That's a legitimate fair use. And remember Jocko's uh, example of when to manipulate when the manipulator when the manipulation is good for the follower and I'm leading me it's good when it's not good when it's in self-interest of taking advantage of something like I'm not taking advantage of myself but if I was taking advantage of somebody else in order to do that that's not good okay so just determine when the, when that streak is a good thing or a bad thing um, and that that'll help guide you of when you should be you know following that but you know companies do this all the time with uh sales contests and leaderboards and mandatory fun and they say well you know we're all in this together and you know let's let's get as you know a record number of this or that well that's okay to have a record number of this or that but when they put undue pressure on people within the organizations then they have bad outcomes gave the example of Wells Fargo. So and I'm going to quote, while a healthy competitive spirit at work can lead to productivity and innovation, it can also lead to ruin. Like when Wells Fargo employees created millions of fraudulent bank accounts due to pressure from management. And it ultimately cost the company billions of dollars because all this fraud was because management was like, we got to open new accounts. We got to open new accounts. We got to open new accounts. Well, 
I mean, how? I mean, there's only so many people that want to do it. So at a certain point, people are being forced, they feel, into fraud, and you don't want to get into that. So gamification is good, but you can be manipulated in a bad way as well. Okay, so sometimes he said competing is not the, the greatest strategy. Okay, the last point was sometimes we use gamification for kind of an artificial community and we're trying to manufacture community. Look, if if um, being within your community, you know, resonates with you and whatever that community is, and that could be your Facebook community, which tends to be an echo chamber of whatever you believe. So get out of Facebook and talk to real people. Um, so, uh, you know, recognize that hearing from those people, that's, that's all well and good until it's not and be careful. So he talked about how to fight um, manipulation through community. Uh, and I'm going to quote again, if you recognize how fake it is, though, your best bet is to usually play along. Now, this is when there's community kind of, you know, just, we are robots telling you this. I mean, and people will just say the party line, like in order to just get likes, and again, I'm telling you on Facebook, it's terrible. People will say things like, like, how many original thoughts do you hear on Facebook? Probably not as many as you would think, given that you can reach pretty much anyone in the world, right? Um, people are very party line. And if they're if you're in one political party and not in the other, they, oh, what you said, that's terrible or, or vice versa. So, but listen, and he's talking about at work or in these communities or whatever. If you recognize how fake it is, though, your best bet is usually play along. No one has to know what you're thinking at a mandatory team meeting pizza party. After all, you just need the paycheck. Plus, you get free pizza. So just like ignore it. Leave it alone. Don't don't get sucked into it. Just, OK, we're here for the team meeting. Go team eat my pizza. But don't forget that you and your manager have entirely different, often diametrically opposed motivations. And that's probably why you keep uh, they keep telling you that you're in this together. Yeah, your management wants more work out of you because that's how they keep the machine ginning. And that's how they get promoted. So be careful. Gamification, they conclude, is essentially you trading small endorphin rushes that you get from like Facebook, uh, Facebook like for your time. Time paying attention to advertising and for giving up your personal information. Now, there's nothing wrong with it per se, but you should at least know the play if you're going to be in the game. Okay, so that's how they end the article. And I think there's something very, very uh, true to all of that. Now, this happens to you at work. It happens to you um, in your peer groups. Uh, it happens to you when you sign up for that, that um, buy so many lattes, get one free. Uh, and it happens to you particularly in a potent form in apps. And so I want to focus on that for a little bit, because this is like moving up the chain of drugs from marijuana to something stronger like cocaine to Oxycontin or heroin. And apps are the Oxycontin and the heroin of this game. Uh, so you got to be very, very careful because the apps are geared to neurohack your brain in order to keep you there longer. And the longer you're there, the less time you're spending being actually productive or being in actual relationships with real human beings in the real world. So just, just be careful with that. Now, I normally end every um, episode of my podcast with a quotation for contemplation. And here I was just looking up, you know, about 
big tech per, per se. Uh, and I'm not ending with one particular quotation for contemplation, but actually with a handful of quotes that I want you to think about. So here are the first one. Technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master. And that's that's true for money. That's true for tech. That's true for other things. Uh, this is by Christian Louis Lange, L-A-N-G-E. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He's a, a historian. Uh, but technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master. Okay, second quote. This is by Albert Einstein. He said, it has become appallingly obvious that our technology has exceeded our humanity. And I, and I think there's something to that. I mean, unless the seed of our ethics are such that we restrain ourselves in the kind of technology that we're creating, uh, we can get into some significant trouble, trouble in the way that we manipulate other people or are allowing other people to be manipulated. The next one, this is a quote by Josh Hawley. He said, big tech's business model is based principally on data collection and advertising, which means devising ways to manipulate individuals to change their behavior and then selling that opportunity at manipulation to big corporations. The result, an addiction economy designed to keep us online as much as possible, as long as possible, to sell more and more stuff and collect more and more information. Look, that's where it's going. I mean, there's a reason why they're doing it. They're providing these products to you for free, and then you're getting sucked into it. And you're getting sucked into it because that's the way the model gets generated with advertisements or whatever else. Um, along these same lines, there was a great quote by A.D. Alawat. It says, control communication and you control the people communicating. Well, that's really interesting. I, I wonder sometimes what the algorithms are doing to things that I might have posted on Facebook. Like, I, And I use Facebook um, almost as therapy, like as a, as a release valve, like to ask interesting questions or just give some little commentary. And then I walk away from it. And later on, I'll look and see if uh, there's any interesting conversation that spurred any extra thought. But it's not like I'm not trying to get more likes. And I know a lot of people that are like on Facebook going like, why didn't I get so many likes? And then they feel bad about themselves or whatever. Like, no, don't don't do that. Just actually, you should just stay off of it. But if you are on it, don't don't do that. Okay, because that's exactly what it's trying to do is make you, you know, and, and people will will change what they say in order to get more likes to whatever the popular zeitgeist is, is saying. Now, I want to leave with one last final thought. And that's that's this. I'm not sure where I where I heard this or read it. Um, I believe it was either Tim Cook or Eric Schmidt. Um, and it's been said before by others. I looked it up trying to find the original source, but this is particularly powerful. And when you're thinking about is tech manipulating you, think about this. And now, Tim Cook is the pre, uh, the um, CEO at Apple, and Eric Schmidt was the CEO at Google. And I'm pretty sure it was one of those two guys or somebody of that caliber. Okay, but they said, look, if you're not paying for it, you're not the customer; you're the product. Now think about that. You're the product. You are the input for them to generate the machine. So of course they want you to 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 keep uh, spending more and more time inside Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or whatever it is. You're the product. 
wow, that changes everything in the way that you should think about, are you being manipulated? Because you are being manipulated and you're being manipulated, probably not for your good, but for their good. Just something to think about. And I hope that helps you think through this process of what manipulation is like. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, I just, in my podcast, I just talk about things that I think are interesting, um, like an extension of my classroom. And I do it for myself for kind of almost a self-therapy. I do it to think through the issue. I think through it to uh, talk about, to, to think through it more and to spread it into the wider community because I want people to think. And I hope that helps you become more of the kind of leader that you would want to follow. Thanks for listening.